It is really a privilege to worship with you this morning. I've been here in the church for a while, but I didn't have the chance to come here and to see you and to say thank you for allowing me to stay here for a period of time. So I want to thank you very much. Um, but unfortunately, I'll be leaving the island on June 2nd. Probably you heard something about that. I'll be going to my graduation, and then I'll go back to Brazil eventually, where I come from, and to work for God over there. And I also want to make an announcement before I begin this message. This afternoon, I'm going to be doing a presentation on last day events, and also next Sabbath afternoon. It will be two Sabbaths, so if you want to stay for after lunch, I'll be really glad to see you. And we are going to study. It's going to be a very profound study, so I invite you to come, maybe to take your notes and pens so we can study the last day events. You know, this morning I have a message to present, which is a very difficult message to present. But I must present to you, otherwise I will not be a faithful man in the, wall, in the walls of Zion, if you know what I mean. I must present the truth, even though people may not like it to hear the truth. Amen? And because it is a difficult message, a delicate message, I must prepare you for the message. So in the beginning of the message, the first part of the message, I will be spending some time to prepare you. And you may feel tempted to think, where is he going with this? But I promise you I have a point to make, and it is for your own sake that I'm going to spend some time in preparing you. And then we go to the message. Amen? Is that all right? Okay. So I want to invite you to one more time to bow your heads with me as I pray. Dear Heavenly Father, as we are about to start this Bible study, we ask you in a special way to come to our hearts and to enlighten our understanding and help us to reason with you. And I pray for myself that I will present this message in a very tactful way. And I pray for the congregation that your spirit may sanctify us according to your word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Rest because it is without hands. In order for you to understand even the title of the message, I must break this title in two concepts. Concept number one, rest. Concept number two, without hands. I want you to see how the Bible used these two concepts. Let's turn our Bibles to the book of Matthew, chapter 11, as quick as possible. And you will see Jesus Christ talking about rest over there. Matthew, chapter 11. And verse 29, when you get there, please say amen. amen. Praise the Lord. Chapter 11, verse 28, actually, it says, Jesus Christ is speaking, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you, what is the next word, everybody? Rest. Rest. So Jesus Christ is inviting everyone that labor and are heavy laden, people that are working to stop working, to cease from work and rest. Do you see that? So let's put this concept that Jesus Christ is inviting us to rest in the shell for a little bit, and let's try to understand the concept of without hands. I want you to see how the Bible used this concept of this um, 
words, this, how can I say, this saying without hands. Let's go to the book of Job. Turn there with me really quick. The book of Job is just before Psalms, which is in the middle of the Bible. The book of Job, chapter 34, and verse 20. When you get there, please say amen. Okay, Job 34, verse 20, the Bible says, In a moment shall they die, and the people shall be troubled at midnight, and pass away, and the mighty shall be taken away without hand. What does it mean when the Bible says that the people, the mighty, shall pass away without hand? What does it mean? Divine intervention. When God says that He will bring down your enemies without hand, He is saying that it will be divinely accomplished. It will not be through human intervention, but it will be divine intervention. And then you have Daniel chapter 2. Do you remember Daniel chapter 2, that big image? You had Babylon, Middle Persian, and Greece, and Rome, and the division of Rome. And then you saw that stone being cut out without hands. Do you remember that? Meaning that that stone that will destroy the image, it will be divinely accomplished, not human intervention. Are you following? Now let's see in the New Testament how the Bible used this phrase without hands. Let's go to the book of Mark, chapter 14. Turn your Bibles there with me to Mark, chapter 14. And verse 58, here are people accusing Jesus. Notice what it says there, Mark 14 and verse 58. We heard him, Jesus, say, I will destroy this temple that is made with hands, and within three days will I build another made, what? Without hands. People were accusing Jesus. This man said that he will destroy the temple of Jerusalem that was made with hands, and then he will rebuild without hands in three days. But Jesus Christ, he was not talking about the temple in Jerusalem. He was talking about his own body, the temple of his own body. He says, I will destroy this temple, meaning I will surrender my life and die. This temple that was made without hands because the conception of Jesus, the birth of Jesus had human intervention. Mary was human, was she not? And then he goes on to say, and in three days, I will rebuild without hands. Talking about his resurrection. The resurrection of Jesus had no human intervention, but it was divinely accomplished. Are you following? Okay, let's put the two concepts together. I don't want to lose you right now. When we say rest because it is without hands, what we are saying is, Rest because it must be divinely accomplished. So let's take this concept in the realm of salvation now. Let's go to the book of Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. Ephesians chapter 2, the bottom one. One more. 8 and 9. Notice what the Bible says. I have here in the screen for you. For by grace are ye saved. Tell me how you are saved. No, 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 no. For by grace are you saved through faith. So faith is the means to obtain the grace of God. It's not salvation faith, but faith is the means to be saved. So you are saved by grace through faith, 
And that is not of yourself. It is a what? The gift of God. Your salvation is not of yourself. It's not with human hands, but it is the gift of God, meaning it is divinely accomplished. Your salvation must be without hands. And notice what it says in the next verse, verse 9. Not of works, lest any man should boast. If you are not working to be saved, by implication you are doing what? If you're not working, you are resting. So in order for you to be saved, you must rest from your own works and allow God to accomplish salvation in you. Are you following? Okay. I want to take you to the Old Testament and see a parable there. Isaiah 64 and verse 8. Isaiah 64. It is a parable dealing with salvation, with this concept that God wants to accomplish salvation in our lives and we must rest. Isaiah 64 and verse 8. When you get there, please say amen. Okay, notice what it says. Be really careful. In verse 8, the Bible says, But now, O Lord... Thou art our Father, we are the what? The clay. the clay. Continuing. And thou our potter, and we all are the work of thy hand. So who is the clay? We are the clay. Who is the potter? God. So if God is the potter, who is doing the work? God is doing the work, and what is the clay doing? Resting. Are you following? How does it work? Let me give you some examples. Here comes the potter. And then he says, you know, I want to I make you in a such a way that thou shalt not bear false witness. What does the clay do? Go ahead. You want to make him in a such a way that I will not bear false witness? Go ahead. You are the potter, I am the work of thy hands. And then the potter said, you know what? I want to make you in a such a way that thou shalt not kill. What does the clay do? Will the clay fight? The clay just rests. Go ahead. Make me in a such a way that I, that I will not kill it. And then the potter says, I want to be in every aspect of your life. I want to do something beautiful out of your life. Something useful. I promise you, just let me mold your life. And then he says, in every aspect, I want to be, even in your relationship, I want to make you in a such a way that thou shalt not commit adultery. What does the clay do? Go ahead. Now you tell me, now come on. We are not literal clays. You know, we have free will. It doesn't work like that. Now, you didn't understand the illustration. To be the potter's clay, it is a decision you have to make. Let me repeat that. You must make a decision to be the potter's clay. You can mold your own life, and I'm not condemning anyone. I tried to mold my own life, and it didn't work. I messed up big time. Or you can choose to surrender your life to the potter, the best potter in the universe, and allow him to mold your life. And you know, sometimes, you know, people can break this contract anytime. You can cease to be the potter's clay whenever you want to be. 
what contract am I talking about? This, you know, you surrender your life to the potter and you being the clay, you can stop that contract anytime. And there are two main reasons people stop being the potter's clay. Reason number one, they are afraid of the powerful hands of the potter. So the potter come to mold their lives and they say, hey, wait a minute, what are you doing with my life? You know, you have molded me so far and I like what I see. But let's stop right here. And then the potter will respect you and say, it's okay. You want to stop right here? We can stop right here. Or some people break this contract because they do not know how to deal with temptation. Temptation comes to them. They are in a situation, just for example, that they know if they tell the truth, they're going to be in trouble. And now they, they tell a lie. You know, a little lie. That lie, it's you putting your hands and molding yourself. When temptation comes to you, that's the time that you must put your hands down. And says, God, I feel tempted to come out of your hands. I feel tempted to do something that is not pleasing to you. Would you please mold my life? Right there, you have to make, listen carefully, a magic prayer. You are driving, right? Or somebody, your spouse irritates you really bad. And now comes a feeling inside you, right there. You must surrender your life to the potter. But many people, that they are not willing, and they just mold their lives they want, the way they want to mold it. And they come out of the hand of the potter. Okay, now I have to tell you something. Every artist, when they are making something, they put their sign to let people know that this is the work of my hand. Isn't that true? When they are painting a picture, they put their name there. Or they put it like their initial there, their sign to let people know this is the work of my hand. So it is with God. God is the potter. We are the clay. He's doing a work in our lives. And he will put his sign to let people know that you are the work of his hand. What is his sign? The Sabbath, right? Go to Isaiah, uh, Ezekiel chapter 20. I know it's a familiar verse. But I want you to see maybe in a different light this verse. Ezekiel chapter 20. And verse 12, I want you to see this verse really carefully. Ezekiel chapter 20 and verse 12, when you get there, please say amen. Okay, the Bible says, listen carefully. Moreover also I gave them my what? Sabbath to be a sign between me and them that they might know that I am the Lord that, what is the next word? Sanctify them. Here comes a theological word that some people get frustrated. That word sanctified only means God molding your life. He says, I give them my Sabbath to let everybody know that I am the one molding their lives. Amen? I wish you had understood that. Let me explain to you. You know when people accuse Seventh-day Adventists to be legalists because they keep the Sabbath? And they say, see, they are trying to work their way through heaven. 
The Sabbath is the sign that you are not working, but God is working in you. What, does the, what is the meaning of the word Sabbath? Rest. The Sabbath now becomes an analogy of salvation. In order for you to be saved, you must cease from your own works and allow God to accomplish His will in your life. And where is the will of God revealed? In the Word of God. The fact we keep the Sabbath show that we are not working our salvation, but God is molding our lives. Don't let people accuse you to be a legalist because you obey God. Are you following? Okay. Now, I want to imagine that all of you wants to be the potter's clay. Amen? And all of you wants to receive the sign of the potter. So having that in mind, I want to have a Bible study about Sabbath keeping. Amen? Okay, let's go to the next slide there. It is impossible to keep the Sabbath holy without preparation for the Sabbath. And again, as we go through this study, I want you to put your hands down and allow the potter to mold your life. Amen? Okay, let's go to the, to the next one. He who from where? The heart. Obeys the fourth commandment. We will obey the, how much of the law? The whole law. Let me ask a question. Can you keep the Sabbath holy while you are lying on the Sabbath? Yes or no? Can you keep the Sabbath holy and you are committing adultery on the Sabbath? Can you keep the Sabbath holy? Can you keep the Sabbath holy and disrespect your parents? In order to keep the Sabbath holy, you must keep the whole law. Okay, next slide. All through the week, we are to have the Sabbath in mind and be making preparation to keep it according to the commandment. So all through the week, when does the week begin, by the way? Are you sure? Yeah, it is Sunday, but some said, right? Saturday evening, right? So all through the week, we should have the, the Sabbath in mind and make preparation. The Friday, Friday is the final day of preparation. Let's continue. We are not merely to observe the Sabbath as a legal matter. We are to understand it is spiritual bearing upon all transaction of life. I want you to highlight this word in your mind, the spiritual uh, understanding it is spiritual bearing. You know, in all transactions of life, you cannot prepare to keep the Sabbath holy when during the week, if you are a business person, you are trying to take advantage of people during the week, and then just because the sun goes down, you think your colors change it? Your character change it? All through the week, you are doing whatever you want to do and sinning against God, and then when it comes... Friday evening, let me keep the Sabbath holy. So the Sabbath will affect your home, your school, your workstation, the way you carry yourself, because you are making preparation to keep the Sabbath holy all through the week. The next slide. Daily, 
It will be their prayer that the sanctification of the Sabbath may rest upon them. I pray every day, Lord, help me to keep the Sabbath holy. And if there is anything I can do during the week, please remind me. Help me not to leave everything for Friday. Sometimes Friday becomes a very stressful day if we leave everything for the Friday. Okay, let's continue in our study. Many, and this I want to highlight this one too, many need instruction as to how they should appear in the assembly for worship on the Sabbath. They are not to enter the presence of God in common clothing worn during the week. Let's make it very clear we are not dealing with forgiveness of sin over here. You come to Jesus the way you are. If you understand that, let me hear you say amen. Okay, but we are talking about people that have made their decisions to be the potter's clay, and they allow every aspect of their lives to be molded. We should have a special clothing for the Sabbath. Let's continue. All should have a special Sabbath suit to be worn when attending service in God's house. And by the way, this word suit does not necessarily mean this that I'm wearing right now. A special suit, you can have a special suit for swimming, for working construction, for doing whatever, and you should have a special suit for the Sabbath, a special clothing that you wear for the Sabbath day. Let's continue. While we should not conform to worldly fashions, we are not to be indifferent in regard to our outward appearance. We are to be neat and trim, though without adornment. So it's very clear that God wants us to be neat and clean. Just, just think about your company. If you work in a company, your boss wants you to be neat and clean and trim to represent that company. So it is with God. God wants you to be neat and clean and trim. Amen? Okay, let's continue. On Friday, let the preparation of the Sabbath begin. Is that what it says there? Completed. On Friday, let the preparation of the Sabbath be completed. See that all the clothing is in readiness and that all the cooking is done. Let the boots be black. How do we say that today? Polished, right? And the bath be taken. It is possible to do this. And some people make a really big deal on this one. I believe that Satan make it a really big deal on this one. Just think with me. And before you get a little bit nervous, I want to tell that I know people like that. Do you know people that take shower or bath every single day of the week? Yes or no? Do you know? Yes, right? Yeah, we know. Like they take uh, on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then Friday, right? And, and Saturday. Isn't that true? You can do the same and keep the Sabbath holy. Monday, or Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, before sundown, and then Saturday evening after sundown. You can do exactly the same. And then you will see the spiritual meaning of that. I want you to keep that in your mind. And then we are going to go to the spiritual meaning of these things. Because we are supposed to understand the spiritual bearing of the Sabbath. Let's go to the next statement. 
The Sabbath is not to be given to the repairing of garments, to the cooking of food, to pleasure-seeking, or to any other worldly employments. Before the setting of the sun, let all secular work be laid aside, and all secular paper be put out of sight. Why this? Why we should take away all those things, those secular papers and bills that are hanging there in the refrigerator? Why do you think we should do that? Now imagine in this economic crisis, on the Sabbath, you look into that bill hanging in your refrigerator. And you know that you can't pay that. Or you are constantly observing your books that you know you have a test on Monday. You are constantly reminded of the world even on the Sabbath. We should put those things away so we can withdraw our minds from the world and have communion with God. Amen? Okay, next slide. Go back to that slide before we read this one. And the other thing is, if we are not engaged in the things of the world on the Sabbath, like Friday evening, after we prepare for the Sabbath, we are clean for the Sabbath and everything, will God's people be engaged in sports, yes or no, on Friday evening? What do you think? No. Will God's people be engaged in perhaps uh, preparing their garden and, and lowing the, the grass and things like this that will cause them to be dirty? Yes or no? Maybe they will read their Bibles, spend time with their family, or go to the church to, pra- to practice a song. And I hope and pray when you go to your bed, you don't say, man, I need to take a shower because I slept on my bed today. I hope and pray it's not like that. Let's continue. We should jealously guard the edge of the Sabbath. Before the Sabbath begins, the mind as well as the body should be withdrawn from worldly business. What does it mean that we should jealously guard the edge of the Sabbath? You know how it is sometimes? People say, come on. Five minutes for the sun to set. Finish to, you know, the vacuum over there. And then, and then everybody just like running and rushing. And, and, and it is like, anyway, I don't want to say anything like that you may not like. But finally they drop the broom because it is one minute. And they drop the broom over there. It's like, wow, now it's Sabbath. Get out of the shower. Three minutes. We must guard the edge of the Sabbath, gradually enter into the Sabbath hour. Amen? That's why we prepare all through the week. Okay, let's move to the next slide. The violation of the fourth commandment is not confined to the preparation of food. Many carelessly put off blacking their boots and shaving until their be- uh, the beginning of the Sabbath. This should not be. And we are going to understand the spiritual meaning of these things. But it should not be. Next slide. There is another work that should receive attention on the preparation day. On this day, 
all differences between brothering, whether in the family or in the church, should be what? Put away. Let all bitterness and wrath and malice be expelled from the soul. In a humble spirit, confess your faults one to another and pray for one for another that ye may be healed. So it's very clear you cannot keep the Sabbath holy while you hate your brother and you have anger and bitterness in your heart. You want to keep the Sabbath holy? Before the Sabbath, you should do your best. You should try to do your best. If you can't reach the person, that's another thing. At least you try your best. But you should, before the Sabbath, make peace to every man and expel all bitterness from your hearts. Okay, the next one. Let not the precious hour of the Sabbath be wasted in bed. It's, it's going to tell you the reason. On Sabbath morning, the family should be astir early. If they rise late, there is confusion and bustle in preparing for breakfast and Sabbath school. There is hurry, jostling, and impatience. Thus, unholy feeling come into the home. Now, just imagine the Adventist home. Early in the morning, you know that the woman, they need that extra time to stay in front of the mirror, right? It's okay, you know, they, they wake up early. And then you have the children that wake up very late, and the husband has to be the platform chair for Sabbath school. He's ready and telling everybody, come on, we are late, we have to go to church. And then I didn't finish my breakfast, and everybody getting ready, and finally the husband gets irritated. Five minutes, everybody in the car. Then the whole family goes to the car. And then they are driving to the church in that mortal silence. Nobody speaks to one another in the car. It seems that their way to church is the worst time of the week. And then the husband comes out of you know, the car in the parking lot, rushes to the church, the children come behind him, and you know what the husband says when he comes to the pulpit? You know what he says, right? He says, happy Sabbath. And then the children in the back, yeah, whatever. You know, they know what's taking place. <laughs> Just wake up in a reasonable time. You don't need to wake up like really early, but just time that you can have your breakfast and be in the church. The next slide. I fear that we often travel on this day when it might be avoided. It doesn't say that you cannot, but it might be avoided. In order to reach the churches that need our help and to give them the message that God desires them to hear, it may be necessary for us to travel on the Sabbath. But, notice this phrase, but so far as possible we should secure our tickets and make all necessary arrangements on some other day. So it does not say that you cannot travel on the Sabbath, but you must be a reason that you want to bless others, that God needs you to be there to deliver a message. I remember one time I was invited to go to another country and for three weeks, and they bought my ticket on the Sabbath. No, they didn't buy, excuse me. They told me that they're going to buy that ticket on the Sabbath. And I knew I could travel on the Sabbath because I was going there to preach the word. But I wanted to know, why did you, buy my, you want to buy my ticket on the Sabbath? You have six other days of the week to travel. Why do I have to 
travel on the Sabbath, go to the airport and, and check in my bag and carry all those luggage. Why do I have to spend my time in a miserable way? So I didn't tell them that way, but that's what I was thinking. And then finally they changed it, my ticket. They found another company that had a ticket to fly on Wednesday or Tuesday, something like this. So we should, as far as possible, avoid to travel on the Sabbath. Amen? Okay, next slide. When starting in a journey, we should make every possible effort to plan so as to avoid reaching our destination on the Sabbath. When compelled to travel on the Sabbath, we should try to avoid the company of those who draw our attention to worldly things. So travel on the Sabbath, people want to talk about business, things of the world, sports like this. It's not saying that you have to be rude to them, but you should avoid their presence because they are constantly bringing your mind to the world instead of allowing you to have communion with God. The next slide. I know you may like this one. In pleasant weather, let parents walk with their children in the fields and groves amid the beautiful things of nature. Tell them the reason for the institution of the Sabbath. So that's another thing that we can do on the Sabbath. You can put it the next slide over there and just leave it there. Okay, okay, that's another one. As the sun goes down, let the voice of prayer and the hymns of praise mark the close of the sacred hours and invite God's presence to the cares of the week of labor. Talking about worship, and we know there are statements that talk about you receiving the Sabbath, sundown worship, and then you finish the Sabbath with sundown worship. And put one more slide, let me see if I... Okay. Now I want to dwell a little bit on the spiritual significance of the Sabbath. I want you to turn your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 2. Chapter 3, actually. Hebrews chapter 3. You know, the Bible talks about three Sabbaths. How many Sabbaths did I say? Three. And I'm, I'm not talking about the ceremonial Sabbath that was abolished at the cross. But I'm talking about three rests that the Bible talks about. Rest number one, the grace of God. Rest number two, the seventh day Sabbath. Rest number three, you're going to see now. Hebrews chapter three, and beginning in verse 17. The Bible says there, but with whom was he, God, grieved forty years in the wilderness? Was it not with them that had sinned, whose carcass fell in the wilderness? Verse 18. And to whom swore he that they should not enter into his, what is the next word? Rest. But to them that believe not. What is this rest that he's talking about over here? They came out of Egypt. Right? They were in bondage. And then they went through the wilderness and they were going towards what? The promised land. That was the rest that God was referring over here. And in chapter 4, he will make an application that that rest over there is talking about heaven. 
We are come from Egypt, sin. Going through the wilderness represents our sanctification experience. To go into the promised land, which is heaven. So the Bible talks about three rests. The grace of God, the Sabbath, and the heavenly rest. Okay. How does it apply for us today? Friends, the same condition to keep the Sabbath holy is to enter into the heavenly Sabbath. Let me repeat that. The same condition in order to enter and keep the Sabbath holy is the same condition for you to enter into the heavenly Sabbath. Do you remember when we talked about uh, not uh, taking bath and shaving on the Sabbath, dealing with cleanliness? Remember that? God is trying to tell you that in order to enter into the heavenly Sabbath, you must be cleansed from your impurities. Remember when we talked about a special clothing on the Sabbath? If you want to enter in the heavenly Sabbath, you must have the rope of Jesus, which represents his character. Do you remember when we talked about putting away all, all secular papers and things that remind you from the world? In order to enter into the heavenly Sabbath, your mind must be withdrawn from the love of the world. We talked about putting, putting away our differences between one another before we keep the Sabbath holy. If you want to enter into the heavenly Sabbath, you must put away your differences between one another. We talked, away about, uh, we talked about... Actually, we didn't talk about that, but there is a quotation that said that on Sabbath, we should not overeat. Of course, we shouldn't overeat every day of the week. Now, have you seen like people that they eat so much and then Sabbath meeting, afternoon, in the afternoon, they sleep? They can't do anything after lunch. If you want to enter into the heavenly Sabbath, you must have temperance. Overcome your habits of intemperance. Remember when we talked about nature walk on the Sabbath? You are going to enjoy nature walk on the Sabbath, the heavenly Sabbath. Friends, I know some of you may think you have nothing to do with the Sabbath, but in the last days, everyone will decide to mold their own lives or to allow the potter to mold their lives. We are told in Revelation that the whole world will profess Christianity or at least fulfill the agenda of Christianity. But they are Christians that want to mold their lives according to their own way. But a small remnant will allow the potter to mold their lives. Some of you found out today that you have not been keeping the Sabbath according to the commandments. You have some change to make. Just like when you first be, uh, became a Sabbath keeper, you have change to make, right? 
So I want to make an appeal. You don't have to raise your hands. You don't have to come to the front. But you can tell straight to Jesus Christ. He's in the heavenly sanctuary. He can hear your prayers. To allow him to mold your life according to his will. And to put your hands down. Amen? Let's see the next slide. In. The Sabbath question is to be the issue in the great final conflict in which all the world will act a part. You can. That is my motivation with you. And that is my prayer for you. That you may rest from your own works and allow God to mold your own life. So let us kneel for a word of prayer. Father in heaven, there are many things in your words that sometimes we don't understand. But when we practice them, that's when we can understand better. I want to pray that we may rest from our own works, Lord, and you may write your law in the tables of our hearts. I want to pray that those that were convicted, that they should make changes in their lives, I pray that you may be the one working in them. Help them to make this commitment with you and that they will not break. And as we have fellowship together, we also ask for your blessing. Help us to continue to keep the Sabbath holy. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.